Welcome back to the Owner Operator Podcast. I'm your host, Austin Gray. And in this episode, I have a special guest named Josh Adkins from Detroit, Michigan area. Josh is the owner of Odd Jobs Landscaping. And since starting his business, he's sold over $3 million worth of landscaping and hardscaping contracts. You'll want to stay tuned for this episode if you want to increase your sales as a contractor or a service-based business owner. So before I steal any more of the thunder, let's jump into the episode. Please note that we pick up about midway through our initial conversation. We had some connection issues on the first recording. So Josh was determined to get this episode recorded, and I'm very thankful that he continued. So stay tuned if you want to learn the sales process for how to increase your sales as a contractor or service-based business owner. Let's jump into it. Okay, so for those of y'all who are listening, I don't know if we're going to keep this cut in the episode, but Josh has had some technical difficulties and he's so determined to, to stay on this. So I commend him for that. And I was the first one to throw out, hey man, we can just, we can just uh, do this again. He's like, no, let's do it right now. So he found a quieter <laughs> spot and um, he also uh, got a better connection. So I feel like it's just like business, solve problems as they come up. So that takes us back into the conversation uh, if you had a problem within the business in the sense that your mentor had come in and said, Hey, um, you're going to need to get a new crew. Otherwise, you know, your quality control, like you're going to have to be at the jobs all the time, just like, you know, coaching these guys and you're not gonna be able to scale with it. So you go and you make a change. You said your irrigation guy, was he a subcontractor? He was a subcontractor. So, um, He's a subcontractor that I used one or two times and he just, you know, had some small level of loyalty to me. So he was a little bit helpful. So he recommended, again, two people who were in California who had recently just moved to Michigan who were looking for work, but had lots of experience with pavers and were far better than what he had visually seen when he came around to do any irrigation work while my guys were simultaneously building pavers. So just from his line of sight that he saw while working for like with us, he was able to see that there weren't the best quality guys and have the most experience and that there was better options out there that would help me be more effective. Okay. That's awesome. And so you take them up on the offer, you go interview the crew, you bring that crew yep. to your next job. You just immediately bring them in on one of your next jobs. And yeah, test so, them out. At, so yeah, exactly. So back to the original story, uh, my first patio with a guy named Mike, I end up finding his father ends up wrecking. He ends up recommending us to his father. So his father, has a very large job it's about like three thousand square feet it's huge it's the biggest job i've ever seen in my life so uh but it's really far as well so it's like in a very rural area um like back of the woods he owned like a hundred acres so he wanted a really nice patio so i had the guys come out and they worked simultaneously to do like a test interview i called it like a, an active interview to see if they were any good <clears throat> and they worked twice as fast as my guys and laid what would have took in a week in one day and that was like a yeah so that was a very, that was a very uh, interesting day because I remember Max and I were in, we were in Florida for a Grant Cardone conference and they were sending pictures back of progress of how, how much they had done in a day. And I remember showing Max in one of the conferences, I was like, Max, you know, look at this photo, man. Like they laid almost everything. And he was like, yeah, we were going to have to get rid of the, you know, our old guys. And what ended up happening is that they actually were working on starting their own thing so as our new guys were coming in they were slowly dissolving themselves out so it worked out perfectly but i remember vividly one day they just didn't show up didn't answer didn't respond ever and that's when i knew something was up 
So did you sub out the new guys initially as 1099 contractors? Did you bring them in after that first job as W2? I brought, I brought them in. I brought them in on payroll the day they showed me they were quality, 100%. That's awesome. Okay, so take yeah, us because from not there. only did I notice it, the client also mentioned it. He said, yeah, you're the, the new guys you brought, I don't know where they came from, but they're a lot better and very, you know, very high quality versus your older guys. I was like, okay, thanks for that. So where do you go from there after that job? Well, from there, I lean on their experience and it changed, it changed my life. Um, so my number one guy, Jaime, I always smile thinking about him. That guy, him and Tino, they, they changed my life forever. It went from um, having to be, this is where I learned about working on the business to working in the business. That changed the entire game because they gave me a lot of leverage to be able to go out and work, work on selling. My problems switched vividly from, hey, when are we going to get this project done to, hey, slow down. You guys are working so fast. I don't have a pipeline to match the pace you guys are moving at. So like my problems inverted themselves and I was like, whoa, I got to go on sales mode, marketing mode, which is why prior to this conversation, I told you that a lot of my strong suits lie in the marketing and sales because I had to quickly ramp up my pipeline to match how fast they were moving on the actual day-to-day basis. So that was very interesting. All right. So you ramp up your marketing pipeline, you ramp up sales. Yeah. So I, I ramp up what, my marketing you... pipeline. So yeah, the, the way that I did that was first by leaning on Facebook. So at that time, it was about 20, 2021. 20, so I used Facebook marketing and Facebook ads to drive a lot of my business. In 2015, I did my first Facebook ads, and it was a slideshow of a small leaf cleanup that I did. And I kept doing that to gain leads, but I also did some free resources. I just used Instagram stories, Instagram posts, Facebook posts. Um, at that time, I was using Nextdoor, uh, Nextdoor.com until they brought in their ads platform. So I was using Facebook market market. Facebook marketing to bring in a lot of deals. I wasn't into SEO at that point. And um, I was just putting out ads. And then I started to use my Facebook pixel to retarget these clients. So I would do everything I could to get the client to watch a video, interact with it, interact with a post, some level of engagement so that Facebook would hold them. And then I can be able to retarget to them forever. So if you're ever shopping on Nike and you don't check out, then you go to Facebook and you're scrolling and that same shoe pops up. That's the type of targeting and retargeting I was doing to keep my clients in the pipeline and to continuously be top of mind and sell more deals. How'd you learn how to do that? Uh, I was stressed. I was stressed. So these guys were moving through my projects and my, what, what would have been three to four months worth of work in a month or two months. So I learned by YouTube university. So I just went on YouTube. I watched a ton of videos, figured out how to put my own pixel on my website, how to do Facebook ads, how to run ads, and um, that worked out really good in my favor. Yeah. So how quick did you start seeing results after you started teaching yourself Facebook ads? Uh, so on Facebook leads, you're going to get a lot of, you're going to get a lot of leads initially, but you're not going to get a lot of uh, clients who are ready to buy. So it's a matter of learning the sales process at that point. So I'd probably say after initiating some ads, it probably took about two and a half weeks to three weeks to get like my first signed deal. And then mm -hmm. it did, in addition to that, another fact is that the sales process for projects of this size, like high ticket per se, what some people would call it, will take at least two and a half weeks for someone to make a buying decision in most scenarios. It's not an immediate, hey, it's an emergency for plumbing or an emergency for HVAC. They're going to wait and delay because it's not a necessity. Were you running those ads back to just your website homepage or did you create specific landing pages with a specific offer to increase conversions? For the retargeting? So whenever you were running the ads, what were people 
what were people clicking on? Were you just doing like a Facebook lead generation? They were putting in their name and details Facebook inside Facebook. Okay. Facebook got messages it. worked really well. So I was spending maybe let's say $300, $400 on, a, on an ad to do a Facebook message. I'd get tons of clients who would be interested. I would then respond to all the clients as fast as possible, put together an estimate to come out to visit the property, to assess what needed to be done and then get them a quote in 72 hours or less as fast as possible to get the buying process and the sales process started as quick as, 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 quick as I could basically. When you say three to $400, is that split up over a specific time period or did you just give Facebook that budget and then it doesn't I would sing? give them that. Yeah. I'd give them that for like 30 days. So roughly like $10 a day or 10, $10 12. a day. And it would bring in, it would trickle in a small amount of leads um, just enough for me to have, you know, at least three to four meetings a day to go out and shake some hands and to put some numbers in front of some people's face, which increased my likelihood of actually selling a deal. Okay. So talk me through that process. You get them in Facebook messenger. Mm -hmm. So I get you in Facebook messenger. Hey, Austin, it's nice to meet you. I'm Josh. Uh, I appreciate, you know, you're reaching out. Uh, what information can I get you today? It's my first question. Always. What information can I get you today? It's going to be always be my first, whether it's on a lead form or on the phone. So, um, hey, I'm looking for a patio. I'm looking for a walkway. Awesome. Great. Where about are you located? Hey, I'm located here. Awesome. Have you had someone give you a landscape design before? That's an important question to ask in my field, because if someone's already given them a design, it's likely that they've also given them a price point. And typically when clients have already gotten a price point from another contractor, sometimes they're actually higher. There's more likelihood that they close because if you get a design from someone, you're pretty invested. So for you not to go forward from the design phase is like there had to be some miscommunication and let me find where I can, you know, fit my way into that scenario. So. And this is like contractor leads and sales 101. This is awesome. Thanks for sharing all of yeah, this. Yeah, 100%. So I'll, I'll pick up where I left off. So um, what information can I get you? Hey, I'm looking to get a walkway done in a patio and a fireplace. Love that. Sounds great. Uh, we definitely have an availability to do so. When's the soonest that I could connect with you in person? Uh, Monday at 9 a.m. would be perfect. Okay, awesome. So I'll get there. But between today and Monday, what I would do is that I was always following up with information. So this is where I use my blogs and my website. This is where I use photos or a YouTube video. And I continue to increase their certainty because you're coming in at a level of 10 about your quality of service and what you can provide to that client. The client has no idea about who you are and they may have like a you know zero to five level of certainty. So it's your job as a contractor to increase their quality so they're at, or increase their certainty so that they can make a buyer's decision. So I'd send them this information. Then on Monday, they're like, oh, wow, you're the guy I saw in the video. Or, oh, wow, you're the guy that took that picture. No way. So I go there, make some recommendations, always point out red flags, always give solutions, always show recommendations, always show options, more options. If you don't give options, you're giving ultimatums and ultimatums are not liked by most people and options help people make decisions. So I do that. I get them a quote in 72 hours and then I would follow up. And typically between five to 12 contacts later, I'd close the deal. Say that again, typically between five and 10 contacts later. Between, yeah, typically between the fifth and the 12th contact, you're going to close a deal. And that does okay. not mean that they'll respond. This just means that you're following up with, I like to do value added follow-up, meaning that I'm providing you information that's going to help you be more confident that I'm the one to do it, not just, hey, are you ready to roll? Hey, are you ready to roll? Like, here's an article about this. Here's a link from the paper manufacturer about five tips. Here's a link from our, 
you know, our financier who can potentially get you funds if you want to finance the project. So I'm, I'm increasing their ability to make a decision. Josh, this is incredible. You have nailed the sales process. I can tell 100%. you've been to a couple of Grant Cardone events. Or you, you've... <laughs> I've, been to, I've been to a lot of them. Yeah, 100%. But it works really well. The premise of it is that these clients don't know who you are. If no one knows you, no one's going to cash flow you. So you need to get known. You need to build a presence in marketing. After that, once you get clients in the pipeline, your most important thing as a business owner is to build a pipeline of potential deals and create income for the people that are relying on you to create income. And then your clients on their end, satisfy them with quality work. So yeah, 100%. It's, it's definitely important. It's so awesome that you guys have the partnership because it sounds like Max is the one who leads the field operations, correct? 100%. Yep. And your sole focus is keeping the pipeline full. Marketing, sales, and systems. Got it. Got it. That's such a dynamic duo because what I see out in the field is contractors. Contractors are notorious for showing up to a quote and telling customers what all the problems are. Like, well, the problem is, the problem is, and the problem is with that, the problem is with this. But when someone like you shows up and you're, you've already added so much value and you are providing them with solutions consistently, yep. it is a game changer for the customer. And I know that you've experienced this uh, just like I have, you know, whenever you're going to close a deal because. Oh yeah. You, you can tell. Yeah. You can yeah, start to tell. For sure. Because the, the first the custom is the question. The questions are the biggest symptom. Like, Hey, so just out of curiosity, when would you guys be able to get started? Or, Hey, I was just thinking, you know, is this other color available? Or in your case, Hey, is there a possibility you could clear, you know, another half acre for me? Yeah. Or, um, so what day could, what day could you guys start if we move forward? <laughs> exactly. Those are those are buyers' questions for sure. Hundred percent, dude. Well, you are putting on a sales clinic right now, so there is so much more we could deep dive into this. But I think one thing that I want to hammer on for this for the listeners: what is that first question you ask? You've you've mentioned it two times now. What information can I get you today? What information can I get you today? And that is whenever you're replying to them on either a Facebook ad or the phone. And I think that's so important whenever you're on the phone, like you are there 100%. just to give them the information that they want. They've already told you that they want information. I think this is yep. where a lot of people go wrong. They just go into like complete sales mode sales and mode, telling, yep. telling the people what they think they want to hear. But yep. in all reality, like sales is all about listening. So Thank you for sharing all the golden nuggets here. Yeah, there's tons more. I mean, the biggest thing is that a lot of contractors do skip the fact-finding portion of the sales process. So the fact-finding portion is how long have you had this problem? When did it start? You know, if if you don't solve it today, when do you guys plan on investing on making a solution? Other than yourself, who else have we contacted? Um, buyer's questions help you realize that a lot of times clients don't know the real source of the issue or they may be tackling the wrong problem in like in totality so if you don't ask the right questions you can't provide the right service you can't provide the right solutions and you'll never close the deal because you're not answering the right questions for them so it's critical if you don't ask questions you're losing what other questions do you ask to qualify customers because i'm sure at this point you're you're turning mm -hmm. down some work yeah 100 percent. i mean I ask them if they need a landscape design or if they're interested in investing in a, a landscape design that's re non-refundable because it helps me gauge their level of intent. 
that's just in my field. Um, some other critical questions that I always use is that a lot of contractors have a, uh, an issue with closing or going for the close. So have you seen enough to make a decision, Austin? You know, I've shown you the price. I've shown you the everything. We've got the contract. Have you seen enough to make a decision? That's my closing question. I love that question. It works every single time. So that's a great closing question. Other fact-finding questions are going to be, you know, well, if you're at the end of the deal and you haven't closed the deal yet, you know, on a scale from one to 10, one being you're not interested at all, and 10 being you're ready to roll today, where do you sit? Other than, you know, if everything was right, we'd be doing business. What's not right, Austin? Um, other than price, what other concerns do you have? And then a lot of contractors don't know about agreement. It's important to agree to get a deal. In order to agree, you have to agree along the way to get the close. That doesn't mean your client's always right, but that just means, hey, Austin, I'm with you. I totally understand the price is a little bit expensive. You know, most of my clients say the same thing. Other than price, what are the concerns do you have about doing business with us, man? You know, so you have to get some level of agreement, but most contractors are, oh, we're that expensive. What do you mean? We're cheap. We're doing it right. You're not going to get it done. If you don't choose us, you're going to get it done wrong. Agree. Recommend information and continue to ask questions and continue to go for the solution. So there's so much I could teach. You'd have to ask me questions. So I can't think of all off the top of my head. Man. I'm just letting you go, man, because you got it all in your head right now. And I, yeah, I love this. I love it. <laughs> you're putting yeah. on a clinic but it's important a lot of contractors just don't know how to sell it's it's very simple and uh it's a matter of following up providing good information and being the so being the solution oriented person and urgency like you have to have a level of urgency as well like you gotta you gotta get to that quote fast you gotta get them prices fast it shows confidence it shows you know what you're doing all these things just they factor into getting a, a sold deal for sure Speaking of which, what tools do you use to manage your sales pipeline? Yeah, I use an Excel spreadsheet, man. I'm pretty simple, actually. And yeah, how do you I've break thought, that I've down? I thought about using... What was that? No, please go ahead. Oh, what do you use? I was going to ask you what do you use. We use Jobber. Okay, I've seen quite a few people use Jobber. Tell me more about that. Yeah, so we embed a form on our website. I have the app on my phone. I take a similar role in my company that you do sales, marketing, business development, building systems. Um, one of my partners right now is going to be managing all the field operations next year. So um, I have the job app on my phone. I, are you familiar with Zapier? Yeah, I use Zapier actually. So whenever we get that lead form on our phone, I just have it zapped to multiple different places. So we use Slack for our backend workflow, you know, with communication with our marketing agency and our office operations manager. So I have the lead information piped over to Slack for notifications there. I also have it texted to my phone immediately. So if I'm out in the field or if I'm driving around, the customer's mm -hmm. name, phone number, address gets piped in and what service they're interested in. I'm a firm believer in whoever can call the the customer fastest. the fastest wins most of the time and i know there's data to back that up but i've ran multiple small businesses and i've implemented this system into every single one and it just simply works if you get an online lead don't be the person who just sends an automated email follow-up 
follow-up. You should send an automated email follow-up in my opinion, but you should also hit them with the phone as fast as you possibly can. The and so touch. I love, I love it when customers say, Oh my gosh, that was fast. Yeah. Like, yeah. 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 Like, yeah, it, it was. Cause we take this very serious. Yeah, of um, course it was. <laughs> and, and so it's, I go in right into the same thing that you do. Hey, my name's Austin. You know, thanks for reaching out. Nice to meet you. What information can I get you? And you just stop talking and you just let the customer talk and you will find so much gold in that they're going to tell you all their problems. And then if you have solutions or if you offer services to be a solution, then you know that you've got a really good chance to go win that one. Um, but yeah, we use Jobber. So all the customer info gets in there. I try to meet the people as soon as I possibly can, just like you in person. Yeah. And as soon as I meet the people, um, now that we have our unit pricing dialed in, people always ask like, when, whenever I'm doing a site walk, they'll always ask, um, so, so when, how long should I wait to receive an estimate? And then I just very confidently look at them and say, this one's going to be 5,000 an acre. And that, I'll, uh, quick question before you go any further on that. Um, what's your two cents on rough pricing? Like I stray away from giving people rough price. Hey, Austin, just curious, you know, to clear these two acres, what are you thinking, brother? Like, do you, this, do you give rough prices? I try to stay, stay away from it. I never give pricing until I walk the complete property. Okay. So that's always my answer is, hey, I'd like to walk this complete property before I give you a price. So I do all of okay. our site walks and we walk the boundaries. I pull up Onyx hunting maps and I walk the boundaries with people and we go in and out because every single property is different. Everybody always wants a per acre price over the phone. I can't give you a per acre price over the phone because I may come to clear two acres that has 400 trees on it. And then I'll go right down the road and clear two acres that has like 30 dead trees. And I'm clearing a bunch of sagebrush. Those are two very different yeah. projects. So over sure. the phone, I never give any rough pricing because every single project is different. But at this point, when I have walked the projects with my customer, I know my business in and out well enough to look the customer in the eye and tell them right on the spot. And I used to not do that. I used to go back home and say, Hey, I'll get you, a, I'll get you a quote here within the next week. But you know, as well as I do, when you do that, you open up the door for them to go back to Google and find another contractor. hundred percent to be getting another quote. I'll tell you what, my close rate has drastically increased. When I tell people it's just like this last one I closed, that's going to be 5,000 an acre. And I look them yeah. in the eye, say it very confidently. And they say, great, when can you get started? And I say, I'll send you the formalized estimate and I need a signature and 50% and deposit up front. Okay, so I can put it a check in the mail. Yeah, that's great. You can also do it right here. I'm going to text you the link to the invoice and you can pay uh, ACH or credit card if you want to. You made a good point. <clears throat> we should talk about this. All right, so contractors who are listening live in different states, of course. Certain states have limits on the amount of money you can pull forward before the project begins. Do you live in one of those states? California, name it. No, I don't. Okay. <clears throat> How do you feel about, uh, I take my money in a progress payment system. So I take like 5% up front. And the reason why I do that is because some of my projects may also like awesome. They may be one and a half to two months out. So for me to ask 50% of a large project may make that client uncertain. So I take like a small 5% deposit. Then I collect 50% like a week before I begin. 
Then when I'm 75% complete with the project, I collect another 35% of 100. And then at the end, I have just 10%, which protects me from a, a customer ever wanting to screw me over anyways. I like that. I mean, I think it's all market dependent and you got to do whatever works with you, with you and mm -hmm. your market. For us, like our supply of contractors is very low. So I'm able to say, hey, I, then our schedule's so booked out um, mm -hmm. that, that I just say, hey, you know, we're going to be here in three and a half months. Um, I need a 50% deposit. Have you had what a I do, what's that? Have you had a client like experience, like some hesitancy about, hey, 50% and you're three months out? It's, it's awfully long time. I haven't. I mean, I'm dealing with all oh, wow. second homeowners up here. I mean, oh, okay. It, it's a unique market. It's a vacation market. So like I said, I'm able to do that uh, because I think the people who, who I'm uh, offering services to have plenty of disposable income. Um, and they just know if they've been a part of this market that getting service providers up here is really tough. And so to secure a spot on the schedule is important to them. And for me, like our schedule so booked out at this point that I need to have that deposit up front to make sure that um, this customer is not going to flake out on me. Now, what I have done, like as I was booking projects towards the end of this year, and it was yeah. going to be next busy season, mm -hmm. I only asked for 25% up front. Okay, cool. Yeah, someone may be listening and may, may say, there may be a client in their scenario that's uncomfortable with, you know, giving that amount of money. So maybe a smart deposit would work. And look, I didn't do this in the beginning when I started my business. Like I think- oh, what'd you do I just didn't ask for a 50% deposit up front. But once I started filling the pipeline and getting my schedule booked out, mm -hmm. uh, I just started implementing that. Because it, it, it yeah, you had the leverage. You had the leverage of like a full pipeline to say like, hey, I need that. or Otherwise, you're not going to fit in. That's right. And, and I think that comes with time. And you and I are both on the same page with digital marketing. But you got to do the work and put in the time to go get those five-star reviews in the beginning. Yeah. And, and yeah. you're not qualified when you're first starting to ask for a 50% deposit. You got to go earn that right. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Yeah, I mean, that, that the five-star reviews, I mean, we can kind of convert to that topic too, but uh, the five-star reviews are, are critical. They're critical for uh, your success as like a small business owner, especially a service business. It's everything. So what's your process look like for that? For a five-star review? Yeah, like how do you collect your reviews oh, okay great question so um one thing that anyone listening should do is definitely like probe about it throughout the process probe about the client's satisfaction throughout the process like hey you know are you satisfied one thing that i do to my company specifically because a lot of our projects do take longer than 30 days is that i had a system where i started to realize first let me back up that some clients are high touch and some clients are low touch how long do your projects take better question first it depends. Like our federal project, we were on it for two and a half months. Um, okay. I like a typical fire mitigation project. We can do like an acre to an acre and a half a day right now at current oh, wow. uh, production rate. So if we're doing a five acre project, that'd be there for a week, okay. maybe seven days. So here's the, here's something that like the listeners could implement. So if you do projects that take longer than 30 days, some of your clients are going to be high touch and some of them are going to be low touch in terms of the level of communication that they want. And if you can't figure out which type of clientele that is, just over communicate to be safe. So what I do is that last year I had a client that wanted to know every detail immediately. So 
I started to have first a group chat between myself, Max, and the client. That's for real-time updates. Hey, can someone move the driveway? Move their car off the driveway, gravel here. Hey, can someone move this out of the way? Um, the electrician's coming to put in a, you know, some wiring. But what I do at the end of the week, every Saturday, Sunday, is that I send my clients a weekly update. So it has what's been done, what needs to be done, and then uh, suggestions at the bottom of notes. So, hey, you know, I think lights would look great under the retaining wall caps. So I think, hey, we should add, you know, another small 50 square feet of pavers over here with the small design. So that's one thing that I recommend because then you have it in one in writing that everything you've done has been written down and that they've viewed it visually. And then two, along the way, you can track progress and then continue to probe the client about their satisfaction. And then at the end, it's not really a hesitancy about them asking for a review. So I typically ask like the last one and a half to two weeks if they're willing to leave a review. And by that time, they're more than satisfied. So it's easy, easy for us to acquire the review at that point. Man, I love that. It's all about the expectations you set, right? Yeah, 100%. And if you're communicating with them along the way. And then also another thing is that just by human nature, psychology, people are, you know, monkey see, monkey do. If they've seen another hundred people give you a review, they're very highly likely to do the same thing. Yes, 100%. I believe like once you have multiple five-star reviews, it's way easier to way five-star reviews. But in the beginning, you got to hustle to get that and do whatever yeah. it, it takes. In the beginning, a lot of my reviews came on Facebook and I wish they would have been on Google. That's just where I was marketing most so. But Facebook and uh, Google reviews have the highest SEO uh, ranking. So those two would probably be a really good starting point for anyone who's new in the business. Yes. And what recommendation would you tell people? Like if, if somebody's starting a business right now mm -hmm. and they are going to do their first job, like what do they need to do to make sure that they get that first five-star review? First five-star review. So the uh, everything starts from that, that. Everything starts, honestly, before the phone call. So you need to set some level of a stage presence on the internet. You need to have some type of an online presence. Um, if you have a friend who's done projects similar, ask if you can use their photos on your website, maybe one or two. Um, and then always be very transparent. If, uh, if a project was too big at the early stage of my company, I was very transparent and told the client, hey, this is a small stretch project. I'm willing to do it, but I just want to let you know in advance. So be very open and honest first. Um, get some stage presence, get some marketing going, a website, a Facebook page, an Instagram page. These are all free. I mean, well, website may not be free, but they're all relatively free to have something for the client to look at, to know that you're real. The next thing is going to be the first initial contact. This is where you're really going to be able to have an opportunity to make an impression on the client. What information can I get you today? Sounds a lot better than, hello, who's this? That's every contractor out there. Hey, is this Rook? Yeah. You do electrical? Yeah, it's me, man. Hey, this is Josh with Jobs. What information can I get you today? Sounds a lot better. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's my first thing. Second, urgency. Get in front of the client as fast as possible. They're not calling you because you're their friend. They're calling you to solve a problem. So urgency is key throughout the entire deal. From the start all the way to the finish, let the client know and feel that you're urgent about solving their problem and putting them at a higher status. The higher status is an improved condition, period. So what information can I get you? Let me get in front of you as fast as possible. Okay, you get to the client. Next thing is provide options. 
options show that one, you know your product, and two, that they don't have to settle for just one option because some people are, you know, high class people want the nicest stuff, and some people may just want a Honda Accord. It's okay. Some people have Rolls Royce taste, and some people have basic taste. Okay, whatever. Totally fine. But you need to show them options because when it comes to the sales process, if you provide them an option above their price point, at their price point, and below their price point, it's the same way that you and I shop as humans. You go into the store, you see peanut butter. and $5, $4 versus here's just one $5 option. Well, I'm not spending $5 on Jif peanut butter. So you need to provide your clients options. So if you're in the window cleaning business, if you're in the pressure washing business, if you're in the land clearing business, if you're in any trade, find more value added services that they may not have thought of when it comes time to quote your project to provide to the client to help them make a decision better. Next, five to 10 Five to 12 touch points of follow-up will help you increase the likelihood that you close your deal. Do not text these clients all in the same channel. So use different channels, some text, some email. I use video follow-up all the time, all the time. Hey, this is Josh with iJobs. How's it going? I'm at this project. Check it. We'd love to put patio, these same papers in your backyard. Send it to a text. No one's doing that. No one's doing that. That, and then also if you have client testimonials, I have all my client testimonials on YouTube. Those videos that may have 20 or 30 views have probably made me so much money. I just send them to the client. Hey, here's a client with the same papers as you. What do you think? Boom. Oh my God, that looks so great. Oh my God, that looks so sweet. So follow up and then most importantly, execution guys. So getting the sales is an amazing thing, but these people have worked this money worked hard for this money. So definitely do not squander their funds, give them amazing products, fulfill them, communicate, over communicate along the way. And at the end, Hey, ask for your five-star review. That is how you'll get your first five-star review, but it all begins even before they call you. Man, I love that. You're putting on a clinic right now for service base or trade contractors. This is incredible. It's just things that I've learned too. So it definitely will help someone for sure. This is awesome. I am so glad that I met you. I'm so glad that you came on the podcast here, um, <laughs> that you are dropping so many value bombs. And I think so many people are going to get some, some value from listening to this. Um, where you said you did 1.8 million last year. Um, did I see an, a 3 million number somewhere or did, am I making that that's up? Just, that's just combined all my combined sales since starting the company. Okay. Got it. Got it. So there you have it though. Like that process. I mean, this isn't just a bunch of fluff that Josh has made up. You can tell oh, he's no, been no, to no. Grant Cardone. He's, he's studied up on Grant Cardone and, and, and what kind of tactics are used in, in sales. And that can be applied to a very specific niche or an industry or a service here in the local service-based business. So Josh has the revenue numbers to back it up as well. Um, so this is someone who is actively, I mean, some people love it. Some people hate it, the word hustle, but like you're hustling, no. man. And I, I <laughs> yeah, love I'm, it. I'm, I'm hustling. Yeah. Right now I'm focused on SEO really heavily. Um, I'm ranking really high in my area and I'm focused on YouTube, YouTube and SEO because they're both, they're both SEO at the same time. Dude, we got four minutes left in this stupid zoom recording before it <laughs> okay, kicks well, me off the I want to give your your listeners some uh some resources that are actually going to be helpful that other people likely have not. Okay. Um, first, there's an individual named by the name of Tommy Mello. He owns a garage door company. 
Uh, he grew up here in Michigan, but it's a $200 million garage door company now. And he's a podcast called The Home Service Millionaire. And he interviews any and everyone, business, $500 million companies, the smallest pop shops, marketing companies, SEO companies. Listen to his podcast. You'll learn a ton. Second, um, there's a book on the internet called by Ellen Rohr. She's the owner of Zoom Drain. Someone in your someone in the group today mentioned that they worked or owned the Zoom Drain. But she the she's like the she's the owner of Zoom Drain. Her name's Ellen Rohr. She has a book called Where Did the Money Go? It talks about creating a budget to create an accurate price point for selling your projects. Um, that's critical for any any contractor. I just read it last year and I changed my price points and they rose forty percent, but a lot better business. So one, two, those two things. And then third, I do recommend Grant Cardone. Grant Cardone is good stuff. So watch Young Hustlers on uh, YouTube. It's free. And uh, he gives a lot of sales tips for sure. But those first two pieces of advice, dude, I wish somebody gave me that advice. It's incredible, man. Thanks so much for being on. Where can people find you online? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Josh K. Adkins. You can find me on, on uh, YouTube at iJob Design and Build. And also on Instagram at oddjobs.mi. So, yeah, Austin, it was a pleasure speaking with you, man. I see your tweets all the time. You inspire me. And uh, I think we helped a lot of people today. And I hope a lot of people get a lot of value out of this, man. Likewise, I'm inspired by you. I I really, I, I just love doing this. This is why I wanted to do the podcast <laughs> because I knew I was going to meet people like you. I was spending some time on your website before we jumped on this podcast. And it's odd dash jobs.co jobs. correct so I get the perfect domain but anyways whatever if if you guys are listening to this go to josh's website because i think um whenever you're starting your own business you should model yourself or your website after other successful businesses so go check out what they're doing um they have you know you can tell that they've used a really good modern design what they're also doing and what i really liked is they're investing time into a YouTube channel and very quickly, whenever you pop on that website, that YouTube video starts up. Um, mm -hmm. So there's SEO value in this. Like everybody knows that stuff is moving to video at this point. And then also um, just take a look at how they have their website laid out and then take a look at their Facebook, see how they're posting and, and um, doing all of their organic lead generation. So I wanted to end the podcast with that before it stops the recording here. Josh, thanks so much for being on the Owner Operator Podcast. I appreciate you being here. And we thanks, will definitely man. do another one because I think there's some more stuff that we can dive deep into.